Hi, y'all. We are back for another episode, and today we are going to talk about travel. Did you know that 87% of autism families have a fear of traveling? And I'm so excited to be able to bring someone with such knowledge in this area, not only professionally, but personally as well. So I have on the podcast today, Kayla Castro. She is a certified autism travel professional. And we're going to talk about what that is and all the tips and strategies that she has learned. She has an autistic child herself. So this is where that personal experience comes into play. And she said she is the guinea pig of trying everything out and really figuring out what has worked for her family, and then sharing it so your travels can be more smooth. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast. And I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well-being as a parent, supporting your non-autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So, Caleb, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I know this has been in the works for a while, so I'm so excited you're here and we get to dive into this today. Yeah, so am I. I feel like we've been talking about it forever and now it's finally here. (laughs) It is. It is. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into this profession and in a little bit too, what, what is this profession exactly? So I am a travel agent. I am based out of Orlando, Florida. I'm originally from Southern California, but we moved to Orlando about four years ago because of my husband's job. So I live here with my husband and my two children, Tristan and Ethan. My oldest, Tristan, is autistic. He just turned 13. And my youngest is Ethan, who just turned nine. And yeah, so I am a travel agent. And I became a travel agent about two and a half years ago. So I'll first start off by saying that I was posting about Disney a lot on my social media because I was a cast member. I live here now. and I'm You were a cast member? Yeah, I was a cast member at Disneyland in California. So fun. Can you share any details about, or I know D- Disney a lot of times is pretty top secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, I worked in attractions and then didn't go over into entertainment until later, but I started off in California Adventure over in Flix Funfair, which is no longer there. Now it's Avengers Campus, but my Disney journey started straight out of high school. So I was posting a lot about Disney and stuff and a travel agency reached out to me and they're like, hey, you could do this for people. Like what you're talking about, you could do this. And I didn't even know that being a travel agent that specialized in Disney was a thing. And so I just deep dived into that, but I realized very quickly that there were a lot of autistic families, special needs families that 
we're getting overwhelmed just thinking of going to a theme park, let alone Disney, with their special needs family. And I was like, well, we are a special needs family. And I know all of the ins and outs and the resources and the accommodations and the quiet spots and the different places with the different foods if your child has a safe food or, you know, the little things that we worry about. And I just wanted to share that with with clients and families. I just wanted them to know that they could experience the magic just like anyone else could. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And so you actually got a certification then in this? Right. I did. So quickly after becoming a travel agent that specialized in Disney, I took a course with the IBCCES, which is the International Board of Credentialing. So they are the ones who go to different businesses like the beaches and sandals resorts, and they certify them to be certified autism centers. So that means that they get a certain amount of hours of training. Their employees are trained to work with guests on the spectrum. They have specific resources and accommodations at those locations, specifically for children on the spectrum or or anyone on the spectrum. And so I went to that board of credentialing and I got my own credentials of being a certified autism travel professional, just to one up myself and have that certification under my belt, along with being an autism mom myself and totally understanding the fears and the uncertainty and the questions of just traveling with special needs. Yeah, that's so awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Tristan. So how old was Tristan when he was diagnosed? Tristan finally got diagnosed at eight years old. So it took a while for me to get the diagnosis. When we were living in California, I voiced my concerns. They misdiagnosed him as ADHD and... I I felt like nobody really listened to me. I felt like I really, really had to fight to even get someone to listen to me. But then when it was time for the evaluations and stuff, we picked up and we moved to Florida. And so when we moved to Florida, they were amazing. His school was amazing. His school is honestly the ones that listened to me first. And they're the ones who started to put the evaluations and stuff in place as soon as we got here. Yeah, I'm glad you finally got someone to listen. And it's interesting, there's actually research to support that an ADHD diagnosis, and in particular, like a misdiagnosis, can really delay an autism diagnosis, because people are like, well, no, that's just the ADHD. And it's like, no, I know in my gut, there's something more to this, and we need to support him in different ways. Right. Yeah. So I tend to use like identity first language, just listening to the autistic community of saying like autistic, but in your household, like, how do you guys talk about autism? Do you talk about autism? What does that look like? Yeah, no, we do. I think we've talked about it a little bit more recently because Tristan is going into seventh grade and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Middle school has been a pain in the butt. It Mm -hmm. has been so hard. Last year, we dealt with a lot of bullying. And it has just been rough. So we've been talking about him and his, you know, differences and what he's interested in, what other kids may not be interested, because a lot of the bullying comes from the social aspect, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've been talking a little bit about it more. We do say he's autistic. That doesn't bother us. 
So we do say Tristan's autistic, or we might say Tristan has autism to us. The language doesn't really differ for us. We just go with what rolls off the tongue and yeah. and uh, what speaks to us, whatever he's comfortable with, really. And he's comfortable with all of it. He thinks it's his superpower. So Aww. he's totally okay with people knowing. And so, yeah, so lately, I feel like we've been talking about it a little bit more. I really tried to let him make friends in middle school, like doing that all on his own, not me trying to ask moms to hang out and get the kids together, really just trying to let him try that on his own. And it just hasn't worked. So we are part of our local college program. And they recently started pushing out activities for autistic kids. Oh, you know, cool. 13 to 17. So I told, I just recently told him like, Hey, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to get out of the house. We're going to go meet other kids that are autistic too. And you'll probably find a common ground with them and you'll be able to talk to them about things that they like and you like. And I feel like it would be a really great opportunity for him because middle school is just, it's been rough. Yeah, it is. It's a hard transition period period for all kids. And then when we add in so many changes are happening hormonally too, and just like scheduling and all of that. And then yeah, social relationships change. And it's not uncommon that this is a big transition period for autistic youth to go from the structure of elementary school into a little bit more of the wild, wild west in in middle school. So yeah, it's just like feeding them to the wolves. <laughs> yeah. So what has travel looked like for your family? Travel has been, it took us a little while to get comfortable to travel, just like any other special needs family. We really had to buckle down and come up with our own resources to feel confident traveling with Tristan. And like you said earlier, me being the guinea pig for other families, So, you know, we do Disney a lot. We actually just got back from Disneyland in California. We do Disney World. We do Disney Cruise Line. We've been to all-inclusives in the Caribbean, and we've been to Mexico. So I think the next step for us is getting to Europe, which the boys are most excited for. But traveling for us has become a very regular thing now that we know how to do it and what works for Tristan and what what doesn't. And so, so yeah, but honestly, it's, it's a lot of Disney. It's a lot of all inclusives. That's our favorite thing because you know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I've heard you say Disney. I've heard you say beaches so far. Is it that you just find these organizations, these companies are more inclusive and more aware Right. So Beaches is a certified autism center with the IBCCAS. So it goes along with all that training that I talked about earlier. And it's a safe space. And they have Beaches Buddies, which are nannies that you can schedule to work with your autistic child if you and your spouse or anyone wanted to go do like an excursion or go do something else. Then they have a Beaches Buddy to like hang out with your autistic child. And then Disney, they're not considered a certified autism center, but honestly, we are theme park people. We really are. We love Universal. We love SeaWorld, Kings Island in Ohio, tons and tons of different theme parks we've been to. And we always just come back to Disney. Disney is so inclusive. 
their staff and cast members are just absolutely amazing. The accommodations that they have with their disability access service that they have, and they have a special services team that you can work with before you even get to the parks. So they really just, they just really have inclusion down the right way. Yeah. They're amazing and we love it. And that's why we keep going back. Talk about, so you reference, is it the DOS pass or DAS pass? Talk about what that is real quick for parents that don't know. Yeah. So the disability access service pass is a pass that you can get for someone in your party that cannot wait in line for an extended period of time. So kids with autism, kids with sensory processing disorder, that can be hard for them to wait in line for an extended period of time with the loudness, with people crowding. It's just, it's, it's a lot. And so what you can do before you even get there is they have a pre-arrival chat with a cast member that you can do face-to-face and you can talk to them about why your child cannot wait in line for an extended period of time. And then Disney will ultimately make this decision if you qualify or not based off of, you know, your answers to their questions. And then you will get this pass that's linked to your My Disney Experience app. And basically, you can choose a return time for a specific ride based off of the current standby wait time. And then you can go do whatever it is that you need to do. Maybe go on a ride that has a shorter wait time. Maybe go get a snack or lunch and then return to the ride and go through a lane. It's called a lightning lane that helps you bypass that standby line. So you're not waiting in line for an extended period of time. So it's just all of my clients have said that it just really, really helps maximize their experience and they wouldn't have been able to go if it weren't for this resource. I've heard amazing things. Have you found in your experience that you need like an official diagnosis to be able to take advantage of that? No. So not at Disney, you don't. They actually prefer when you sign up there through the pre-arrival chat, or you can do it when you officially get to the parks. They ask, they actually ask you, why can your child not wait in line for an extended period of time? You don't have to, you know, go into specific detail if you don't want to. So they don't require that. Now at places like SeaWorld or Universal Studios, they actually ask you to get something called a accessibility card. And that is from the IBCCES. So for that card, you actually have to upload a doctor's note or a current IEP with a therapist's name and and contact information. And then the IBCCES has to go ahead and approve that. And then once that's approved, you get an official card. And then when you go to those specific theme parks, you present the accessibility card and then that will tell like Universal or SeaWorld that you qualify for their pass. And so, you know, at theme parks right now, that is something that they are starting to require. Disney hasn't exactly jumped on the bandwagon yet, but I have a feeling that they might. Yeah, I see both sides of it. I like that Disney doesn't ask for the diagnosis because we also know there's like extremely long wait lists right now. A family might be waiting for a diagnosis in that process somewhere, working through the system, not being heard. And so I feel like that's inclusivity at its finest. It's just being like your kid has X difficulty. We are going to accommodate it. And on the other side, there are people that take advantage of it. And so 
and and that adds burden to that system that you should be as parents be able to access. So I do see both sides of the argument here. Me too. And my husband and I were talking about it when it just rolled out because the accessibility card being required just came out like three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it just recently happened. And I posted a reel about it. And lots of people have commented, like, I'm so happy they're doing this. And I could just like you, I can see both sides, because it really does stink for the parents that are in this limbo stage right now that are waiting for that diagnosis or waiting for the evaluation in general, and just know that they need this accommodation in order to have a magical experience. So I do see both sides. I shy away from talking about it a lot on social media, the the disability access service, because I know that not everybody that follows me or sees my content needs that resource. And you just don't know these people and you don't want them to take advantage of it even more than people already do. So it's hard for me too, because I want people to know that there's this resource for them, but I don't want to talk about it completely all over social media, because then it makes me nervous that people are just going to take advantage. Because right now on social media, it's all about the tips. It's all about the tricks. It's all about the hacks. Right. And I feel like people will take it as, as a hack when it's not necessarily needed for them. Are you more inclined to share now that this requirement is in place? I, I've only shared about it once since the requirement has been announced mainly because most of my clients come to me for Disney. Obviously, I'm a Disney person. I was a cast member. But for Universal and SeaWorld, it it was easy to say, hey, this is available to you. And this is the proof that you have to show in order to get it. But then it it stinks because it's like, what about the people who don't have the proof yet? Yeah, Um, right. Which I think potentially, I mean, I don't know exactly what their system looks like, but one way for parents to explore that if you're in this like in limbo process is even talking with your pediatrician about it. Like, will your pediatrician write a letter for you saying like something along the lines of they are in the process of getting an autism evaluation done. It is likely that it is autism. It's worth a try. Because for for that accessibility card, you only had to provide a doctor's note, or you can upload a child's IEP with like a therapist contact information. I personally did the IEP because obviously it shows everything on there. And then we listed our, our therapist on there. But yeah, most of the time your doctor already knows that you are in this process, you know, they've probably helped you find out who to go to, too, to start the evaluations and stuff. So it definitely doesn't hurt to just talk to your doctor about the scenario and then have them help you out. And then I'd say also even just talking with the therapists you're working with, too, seeing if they can write a note, like it's worth trying different avenues, you know, to it will take a little bit of legwork, but I think it could be worth it to be able to get access to this. Right. And another question I had, I hear about Legoland a lot. Is that something, do you happen to know if they're one of the certified sites or they just have their, okay. Yeah. So they are. So Orlando, Legoland Orlando is a certified autism center. And the last I heard Los Angeles was, well, it's not technically in Los Angeles, but California Legoland was about to be a certified autism center as well. Okay. That makes sense. So they're even doing certification on like site 
like on the site. It's not like, oh, if Legoland is certified, every site is certified. They're like really making sure that staff have that training in our equip to be able to support special needs kids. Right, right. It's for different locations. It's not based off of the brand or the company in general. It's based off of the actual location. So like Beaches Resorts has three different locations. They have Turks and Caicos, they have Ocho Rios, and then they have Negril. And all three locations are certified autism centers. And that is based off of its own individual location. Okay. Awesome. Any other places that come to mind off the top of your head that have this certification that families can look into? Yeah. So they can all, they can go to the IBCCES website as well. There's like a a list of all the certified autism centers, but even local zoos or aquariums near you might be a certified autism center. I know that the Georgia aquarium, it's like the largest aquarium in the world. That is a certified autism center. Um, there's a lot of places on the East Coast specifically that are certified autism centers, zoos. So definitely check out the website because there are tons and tons listed. I actually did a road trip itinerary for a client and she started up north and drove her way down and she stopped at different certified autism centers on the way down and then on the way back up. And that was a lot of fun. And it was really just museums and zoos. That's awesome. That's awesome. I will link the website in the show notes. So it's easy for parents to just be able to click on and go see that. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about flying because I know you guys just recently flew. You were sharing about different accommodations there. Talk us through some of that. Right. So the biggest accommodation is something called TSA CARES. So TSA CARES is a select group of TSA officers that are trained to be a support specialist staff member for you. So specifically for our experiences, a little over 72 hours before we fly, I contact TSA Cares and I do it, this is just a little trick. I do it a little bit closer to 72 hours before we fly because TSA officers might not know the schedule that they're going to have. So if you let them know a few days ahead of time, they'll be able to let you know if they're going to have a support specialist on hand. If you do it too far out, they don't know. I feel like your name gets lost in the system because it's TSA. So I like to do it a little bit closer to when we're about to travel. So you call TSA Cares. You let them know that you would like a support service specialist to help you and your family through the process of going through security because security is super overwhelming. Even for a neurotypical person, you know, you got to take off your shoes. You got to take everything out of your backpack. You got people waiting on you behind. You got people yelling at you to come forward, take this off, take that off, put it in this bin. This, this bag can't go with this. It's just, it's chaos. Yeah, like, it is absolutely overwhelming. Even for me and for Tristan, it's one of the things that he least looks forward to when we travel. But having a TSA officer with us is so helpful because they will schedule a time to meet you at the security checkpoint when you arrive at the airport. Most of them now are starting to wear those sunflower disability lanyards. That's really helpful if you see somebody with that sunflower lanyard on then that means that they've been trained to be a support specialist. And so they'll meet you and they'll help you go through security. They'll take you through a separate line. They'll just kind of ease you into it. They speak so calmly 
and collectively and they're not rushing you. It's just a very seamless process. They're like, okay, it's time to take out your electronics. All right, next thing on the list is, and they just go through almost like like front loading your entire family of about what is going to happen and what they expect of you, but they do it in this timely manner that just makes it so seamless. So when you call TSA Cares in the initial process, you tell them all of your flights. So when you're arriving at the airport, if you're flying into a separate airport and then on the way home. So you don't have to do it. You don't have to call two times if you have a return flight. You can tell them everything in one phone call conversation. And they will just like, okay, your TSA officer is going to be Greg Ibarra. And he is going to meet you at the security checkpoint. Here is his contact him 20 minutes before you get to the airport. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he'll let where he's going to meet you. And it is just a seamless process. It is it is fantastic. And they really, I feel like this is one of the most inclusive resources that we that we have. So in your experience or to your knowledge, is it only select airports right now that have it? Or is this something, okay, we're seeing nationwide? Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. Yeah, it's nationwide. Now, again, it it depends on if they're going to have a support specialist on hand that day, because obviously they're not going to have somebody probably every single day, which stinks. And I wish that they would, but for us and our process, it's always been available to us. We fly out of MCO, which is Orlando International Airport, and we flew into Ontario Airport, which is a very small airport in Southern California. It's not a huge airport like LAX, and Ontario was absolutely fantastic with the TSA CARES as well. So I saw it at Santa Ana Airport. They have it at LAX. I know that all of my clients have been able to utilize this service, and and I have clients all over the country. And it's being shown in other countries too. So it really is all over the world, and you have these the support all over the world. So it makes it it makes it nicer to know that you have these accommodations to implement into your travel. Absolutely. Wow. And then touch on just a couple of the other things like the sunflower lanyard, and then also like boarding and like actually being on the flight, what have you experienced there? So it depends on your airline, but the best thing that you can do is 72 hours before you travel, you can call your airline and let them know that you are going to need assistance, that you are traveling with someone with special needs. You can be specific about the diagnosis if you want to. I I am never shy about sharing our diagnostic di- diagnosis because I feel like we're spreading awareness, right? We want them to know. And 
then it kind of gives them a heads up. Okay, this person is autistic. So this is what we need to do. And so once you contact them ahead of time, then you qualify for priority boarding. So this allows you to go on the airplane before anyone else. And so you get to do it again in more of a slow, timely manner in a quieter space. And it's just not as chaotic as everybody rushing onto the airplane. Hurry up, throw your bag up there. Hurry up, sit down. There's people coming. And so it just makes it seamless. I mean, that's all we want, right? Is just to have these quiet, calm settings in these crazy scenarios that we put ourselves into. And the sunflower lanyard is really nice. That is, it started in Europe and it moved over to the U.S. So it started in other, in other countries besides us. And now the U.S. has taken it and run with it, which is really nice. And so the sunflower lanyard is a like unspoken disability lanyard that lets people know that the person wearing it has a disability that cannot be seen. And so that is just like a universal awareness in case something were to happen, then people would know, okay, this is how we need to approach the situation. This family might need help, so we're going to keep an eye out on them. And so it's just nice to have. And not only do you have the lanyard, but you can get the little identification card that you can put your child's name on it, their diagnosis, and anything that, that you think would help somebody if your child was in need of help. And so that's really nice to have too. Is this specific to airports or is it becoming like broader than? So it's specific to airports, but now it's becoming broader. So now we're starting to see it at theme parks. We're starting to see it at zoos and aquariums, especially the ones that are certified autism centers, because I feel like with social media a lot, we're sharing more about this resource. And so now it's just starting to spread like wildfire, which is fantastic because then it just brings more awareness. I love that. So silly question, like, can you just order any sunflower lanyard or is there like a certain place to get them from? Yes. So there is a specific place we can link the website in the comments. It's not expensive. I believe it's like $2 and 30 cents. And then you can add the little card onto it. It's like a, like a, like a forest green lanyard. And then it has like little sunflowers all over it, but some airports actually give them out for free. So that just depends on your airport at Orlando international airport. They didn't have them for free, but some airports do. So if you're traveling, you can call your airport and see if that is something that they hand out. And if not, just give yourself enough time to go ahead and order it beforehand if that's something that you want to utilize. That's so cool. Yeah, we will definitely link that in the show notes as well. Anything else that's coming to mind for you about like travel tips, helping with travel before we dive more into your business and what you do? I think the biggest thing is that parents, when I talk to them about what they're nervous about with traveling, it's the unexpected, it's the eloping, it is the the meltdowns and the people staring. And my biggest thing to tell people is that my favorite quote is, a ship was safe in a harbor, but that's not what ships were built for. And that quote goes a long way for me and my family because I have still to this day all of those fears but there are certain things that you can do 
before you travel. And listen, we're not talking about going to Europe, you know, for the very first travel for your child. We're talking about even if you just want to do like a little staycation where you're close to home, you can go to a zoo or an aquarium or something like that, maybe a local theme park and try it out and try these tips and tricks and stuff to help you along the way. But there are some things that can help. The first thing is front loading. So telling your child what to expect and then what you expect of them if something were to go wrong or change. So for Tristan, we always front load him about where we're going, what we're going to do. And then like with Disneyland, he was he was very upset because we told him we we're going to go on Radiator Springs Racers in California Adventure. It's his favorite ride. And then the ride broke down. And we couldn't go on the ride. And so we had to talk to him about what we expected of him if the ride broke down, if there was an issue and we couldn't go on the ride, what our plan was until the ride opened back up, which it never did. So we never got to go on it. But just going over those front loading processes so your child knows what to expect. And then YouTube videos. Watch YouTube videos of the places that you're going to. We realized that our special needs kiddos are more prone to learning something visually than auditory. So, you know, show them a YouTube video of where you're going so they can see the location, they can hear the noise level around the location, they can see the crowd level, how close are people going to be walking to them. YouTube is a resource that people don't even think is a resource and it really is and then taking like fidget toys and then sensory resources like earmuffs you know or noise canceling headphones stuff like that being able to research quiet spots you know something that I provide for my clients depending on which theme park they're going to is I have a guide of all the quiet spots they can take their child to so they can get rest and relaxation and regulate on their own and just get away from the chaos. The biggest thing that I want people to do is feel confident traveling and just knowing that there's resources and accommodations out there for them to implement into their travel to maximize their experience and just help everything go smoothly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I even think about something like, like, okay, food accommodations, right? And like picky eating, that can be something that holds parents back. But I think with like the invention of things like Instacart now, like knowing, okay, you're just going to place an order and get all their normal food for the hotel or the Airbnb. And I do think as well, the more that you can keep predictable for them. So if they eat something specific every morning for breakfast, keep that the same, keep that predictable while you're traveling, I think can really be helpful too. In general too, Kayla provides lots of tips and strategies that we'd be here forever going through every single one, but be sure to follow her on Instagram. We will link that below. And I think one of the things that I'm taking out of this episode is this idea of these like certified centers. I didn't really realize that was a thing. And I feel like that could be a great first travel experience for families going to one of those where that they're going to be more accepting and more accommodating. And it's not going to take away all of the fear, but I think it can reduce some of it. And there is some, you, you won't know how it goes until you try it right. and that it's a learning experience. Right. It is. And and once you do it once, our kids are 
what's the word when they resilient? Yeah, they're so resilient and they really do surprise us. I was so nervous to take Tristan on his first cruise and he like blew me out of the water. And I kept telling my husband, I'm going to get choked up. Mm. I don't give him enough credit. And he did amazing. And now we're going again for Christmas because he did amazing. And it's something that he looks forward to now. And he's excited. And it's just nice for other families to experience that. Sorry. No, I love it. I mean, yeah. And I think mama bear comes out, right? You want to protect him. And it's always good intention of being like, Oh, I don't know. But then I love you being able to share that you were so nervous about it and he actually loved it. He thrived. And then you got to see more of his abilities, more of his strengths. And that's also what I think neurodiversity is all about as well as like realizing we live in such a neurotypical world that we expect things to go certain ways. But I also think as parents, like opening up your mind to realize it might not go in the expected in the quote unquote typical way. And it still can be this really beautiful experience, which is what you got with him on the cruise. Yeah. I mean, he, he even went into the kids clubs and everything with, without us because adults can't go in there with the kids. And so he went into the kids clubs without us, without his younger brother. He met other kids, his age. He, went on a scavenger hunt throughout the ship with like a cast member and some other kids. And so totally ventured out of his comfort zone. And when we asked him about it, he was like, I want to go do that again. He was very excited about it. And so I think the biggest thing is we're so worried about what our children can't do that we, we, we lose focus sometimes on what our child will surprise us that they can't accomplish. We, we want to expose our children to the world, but we also want to expose the world to our children. And I think a lot of that goes hand in hand with, with traveling and feeling confident and, and giving them the opportunity to explore and be curious and figure out who they are. Because I don't think Tristan realized what he was capable of until we started going out and venturing out and letting him do little things here and there on his own or trying new foods. Like on the Disney cruise, you can work with a staff support or the special services team to talk about those comfort foods. So to make sure that those comfort foods are on hand, but what she did, he saw me, my husband and his younger brother eating other things. And so he's like, Oh, okay, I'll, I'll try it. I'm like, what? You wouldn't try this at home. But because it's in this magical place, and all these other people are trying it. They just surprise. They will surprise you. You will yeah. be shocked. And just because you're in this magical bubble doesn't mean nothing can go wrong. You have to set realistic expectations. But my you know, favorite memories are in the things that we didn't plan that just happened when traveling. And our kids just surprise us. They will surprise you. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I love everything you just shared. And thank you so much too, for sharing vulnerably about some of your experience. (laughs) No, please don't apologize. I'm like, 
it really just shows the impact. And I will say, I I talked about that stat at the start of the episode, 87% of autism families feel terrified to travel and many don't as a result. And growing up with my, my little brother, like we very rarely traveled and, and there were lots of things that we weren't able to do. And I think some of that is thankfully we are starting to live in more and more of an accepting world, more of a accommodating world, more of an inclusive world, but it, that, that fear is really real. And those are the places memories are made too. And I think, like you said, it can be so, so magical, but just, I think for parents to hear that, that fear was still there. You, you work with people day in and day out, teaching them how they can travel. And yet that fear was still there for you. And so the goal is not for your fear to go away instead, empowering you to face your fear. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, because if I didn't, I wouldn't expose him to all of this, you know, all of these amazing things just because of my fear. Yeah. And that's not to say that people should just get up and leave. Even if they're scared, you have to come to a point to where you're like, okay, I'm terrified, but I think I can do this or, okay, I'm terrified, but I have the knowledge, the resources and the knowledge of accommodations that can help me if this situation arises and have you know, like a pre-plan, but it's just our lives changed once we felt comfortable enough to go out and do this and now share it with, with everybody. So they feel confident to do it too. Oh, I love that. So if people want to connect with you and then also what your services, give us a brief overview of what that looks like. If a parent is like, okay, I've had it on my heart, but like, I don't want to do this alone. How, how do you support them in this? So travel planning is my favorite thing. I love working with families and getting to know them. So the initial process is to come up with your budget, get a quote, and I do all of the research for you. So I come up with all of the resorts that I think would be fantastic for you. Resorts that I've been to, that I know, that have quiet spaces. And then we talk about like, if we're specifically talking about Disney, let's just say, because that's what a lot of people come to me for talking about different ticket options and what you can do talking about different dining options. I book all of the dining reservations for my clients so they don't have to. So if your child wants to see specific characters or if they have a specific diet and we know that this restaurant has the menu that you and your family want, then we make sure that we pick those places. Then sharing all of the resources and the accommodations at the places that they're traveling to. I have tons of guides that I have created myself of, like I said earlier, the quiet spots around different theme parks and where to go if your child becomes overstimulated. I have a guide to the disability access service. So teaching you how to use that service and then also how to use it in the parks to help you maximize your time. So the ride picks that we choose and what time we might choose them and the order that we choose going around the park. So we're not walking back and forth, just trying to help my clients answer 
all of those questions that they have fears about. Where can we go? Where's the quiet spots? What can we eat? I have clients that have children that have gluten allergies, which is very common in autistic children. And so I have a guide for those specific clients of all the restaurants that have gluten-friendly allergy meals and what those meals are. Like I have a client who you know, will only eat gluten-free chicken tenders. So I have a menu for her mom of all the different locations she can go to in each of the theme parks that she's visiting and where she can get those gluten-free chicken tenders. Wow. Yeah. So I do all of this research for you so you can pack and feel confident going and then having all these resources in hand of where you want to go. I also create visual guides. So I have interactive visual guides uh, specifically for Disney, like going on certain rides, eating certain snacks. I have social stories, which have been my clients' favorites. I feel like I do social stories more than anything of everything to expect in the parks. And then I also provide stock photos for AAC devices. So if you want your child to be included and have a say of what comes next, then I also provide my clients with photos for their AAC devices so they can still bring those. And so I I could literally list everything that I do for my clients. But the biggest thing that I do is help them feel confident going to these places and then take the stress away. I'm really good at worrying. So let me just worry (laughs) for you. And yeah, making the phone calls and stuff for you too. Sometimes I'm on hold with Disney for hours, you know, for one simple question. And it's, it's, it's just something that I do for my clients so they can focus on their family. They can focus on the magic and just feel confident traveling. And then I take all that stress away from them. Because this is your vacation. You don't want to worry about that stuff. Like I said, I'm a good warrior, so I worry for other people. <laughs> oh, I, honestly, I mean, I've been following you for a while, but I don't think I realize like how, what is the word I'm looking for? But like how supportive, how fully integrated this is, how intensive this is. Yeah. Like it is beautiful. And you really do take all of like a, a large, large majority of that stress away from planning. Right. Yeah. No, I, I book everything. If you need a stroller, even if it's like a medical stroller, then I can rent that for you and make sure it's at your lobby waiting for you when you get to your hotel, take wow. care of transportation to and from the airport and just making sure, you know, I think the biggest thing working with me is that, that I'm an autistic mom myself. So I'm used to advocating. So the best thing I can do for my clients traveling is advocate for them and make sure that they're taken care of and treating their vacation as if it were my own. I think that's the best thing that I can do for people. I love it. I love it. And just to be clear, you love Disney. Really, that's a lot of what you do is for Disney. But if someone wants to go somewhere else, that is something you can help with as well. It is. It's just, it just so happens. I mean, we live in Orlando, so we're in the parks just about every week. So it's definitely what I share a lot about, but I also do book a lot of beaches because it is a certified autism center, Disneyland, different cruise lines. If that's what you're interested in, I, besides going to like a local zoo or aquarium, I also feel like cruises are really great travels for families on the spectrum. 
because it is it is a small area. There's lots to do. The room is close by if you need to go back. And they're fantastic about working with special needs families. They I have not had a problem with cruise lines with that at all. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how can people contact you? What's the best way to get in touch? So you can find me on Instagram at special kind of magic. And then I also have my own blog and my own website to special needs travel. And that is at specialkindofmagic.com. And so I'm a travel agent with Briar and Maine Travel Boutique. So you can always go to their website as well. But yeah, those are the main three places you can find me. Perfect. We will definitely link all that. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for today. I feel like I learned information. I'm even excited to be able to pass it on to my clients, but thank you for, yeah, just educating us today and sharing so much of your knowledge. And I will say like, I'm like, yeah, I feel like if you're ready to travel, contact Kayla because she's (laughs) going to take all the guesswork out of it. I mean, even as a single person, I feel like I I get overwhelmed with travel planning, you know, and then right, you're right. you're doing all this advocacy work and really looking at accommodations. It's just truly, truly next level. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. All right, y'all. That is a wrap for today's episode of Evolve with Dr. Tay. I will be back soon. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I want to share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here, and I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye, y'all.